We're starting a new series today. It's called, What is Waking You Up at 3 a.m.? And I started thinking, you know, what really wakes me up at 3 a.m. sometimes or around there, maybe 420, is my dog. But, uh, <laughs> but the, the, real, the real key here, the real moral of what is waking you up at 3 a.m. is really what is, what is your passion? What, what really is your tap root? Why, are, why have Rady and I been in the ministry for 31 years, planted Heart of the City Church 15 years ago? Why do we strategize, do altar calls, and do what we do? Uh, I wrote a, 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 a curriculum called Lostology that I took from a book called The Author. It uh, was Out of Their Faces, Into Their Shoes. Why do we do these things? That's what this series is all about. Today I want to talk to you about one little four-letter word is called lost. Say that with me, lost. 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 Why do I personally talk about the lost? Well, it's because I was absolutely lost. I was so sideways, tormented with panic attacks, obsessive, unwanted thoughts, intrusive thoughts, depression, addiction. I see a, a, a man here that got water baptized yesterday, and when he stood up to talk about his water baptism, I won't point him out, handsome guy, but he said something like this, I was very lost. And I was like, I can relate to you. I was very lost. I was thinking, how did I get lost? So lost in 21 years, because I came to know Christ when I was 21. How did I get lost so lost in 21 years. Well, you know how you get lost? Why you get lost? Because it's easy. It's easy. Do nothing at all in your life. Do nothing and you'll get lost. Continue to do nothing and you will get loster. Stay on that track and you will be the lostest. Why do I know that? Because that's exactly who I was. So today, I, I pray that you give me your best ear, that your receivers would be on. Because there are certain words that you can use in the church, like Great Commission and Lost and Evangelism, and all of a sudden it's like, hey man, I've heard it all. And I, I hope that you won't do that today. I hope that you will open up your, your heart and your ears to what maybe the Holy Spirit would want to do and say in your heart your life today. And I, I want you to pray with me. How many would have ears and a heart to receive today? At least you're honest. Not everybody. But those who are willing, you know, there was a reason why Jesus chose 12. I hope it all falls on good, on good ground, but it just doesn't always work that way. But, you, you know, you, you give me two or three people, I think you can turn a city upside down. So I'm going to pray. Father, thank you for this time and just ask God for those that raise their hand, those that didn't raise their hand, that right now you would do a work in each one of our hearts in this area of lost. Father, you would breathe upon us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Most people are in this room right now because you found them. Let us not ever forget what it feels like to be lost. Have your way now as we open up your word in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Uh, a sister gave me this last night. I thought it was so good. I had to read it twice. I was like, okay. Every saint has a past, 
Every sinner has a future. I was like, that's good. Every saint has a past. But don't forget that every sinner has a future. Wow. You're somewhere in the future. And you look much better than you do right. You're somewhere in the future. And you look much better than you do right. You're somewhere in the future. And you look much better than you do the subject, the subject that I teach on today is a subject that I've taught on more than any subject that I have ever taught on, and it's the lost, the Great Commission. Some say, J.O., you, you do that. You talk about the lost, the Great Commission, fishers of men, so forth and so on, because you're an evangelist, and I don't totally agree with that. Do I do the work of evangelists? A lot of times. I was an evangelist at Har uh, City Harvest Church where we were sent out. But I really, honestly, with all my heart, don't believe it's because I'm an evangelist. I think it's because every follower of Jesus should have a passion to reach the lost and should be engaged in doing that. However it is with you. I used to say this, and I say it today. Cook up your chili Make your chili. What do you mean by that, J.O.? Hey, your chili has a different ingredients than mine. Yeah. I like to use elk meat, and I won't tell you my special sauces, but it's all, it's all called chili. At the end of the day, it's called chili. Though your ingredients, how the gospel comes out of you may taste different, may look, may sound different. But I say, cook up your chili, man. Serve up your chili. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. That was Jesus. If you want to know his mission, that is Jesus' mission statement, Luke 19. He came to seek and save that which was lost. Then he raised up 12 other search and rescuers. We call them the disciples. Some people call them saints. I call them the dirty dozen. Because I go, how do you get saints and halos and little gold-looking dudes who are tax collectors, fishermen, and just rugged men? You, you just go to man camp the last three days like we, we were at. It don't look like a bunch of saints, yo. And he raised up 12 grassroots and then you see 72, and then you see 120, and then all of a sudden you see a birthing of 3,000 people, all from a, a movement, a grassroots movement, uh, 2,000 years ago. And you're here today because the grass movement that began with Jesus, on to 12, 72, 3,000, and on and on, you're here today because people have been faithful through the generations to pass on this thing that we call the good news the gospel, the Great Commission. Why is it that we know that it's the Great Commission? Say this with me, commission. Commission means like task. It means your duty. It's assignment. It's your charge from God. It's the instruction. It's the mission. It's not the great suggestion. It's called the Great Commission. Why is it that we know it's the Great Commission? It's some of the last things that Jesus said, and yet it's not been fulfilled yet. 
I, I know there's enough Christians on the face of the earth to fulfill it, but it's not been fulfilled yet. Could it be because we know what to do, but we just haven't done it yet? Could it be? Could it be? If they don't fulfill the Great Commission, if we don't fulfill, if you don't fulfill, if I don't, then why? Well, I think the Great Commission really comes down, boils down to this thing called, listen to me real good, intimacy with the Father. I think that's where it really begins. I can't, if I inspire you to go preach the gospel, it may last for 24 hours. But if you are convicted, if you have a intimacy with the Father and you grasp a hold of the Father's heart, and what, what breaks his heart and, and what moves the Father, and that is really what inspires you, then I think the Great Commission will continue. If I preach on reaching your hearts and yet your hearts are not open, prepared to, to, to like receive the seed of the world, almost like a farmer getting a field ready. I mean, he gets the field ready, he plows it. He doesn't go to a field and it's full of weeds and grass and bugs and just start throwing seeds. No, he comes through the field and he prepares the field. He, he, uh, he plows it makes rows in it, plants it beautifully, sprays it. I mean, unless, unless you know, spraying is not always good these days. You know, back in the day in South Carolina, you know, that's what we used to do and so forth and so on. So my point is that the field is prepared for the seed. And I've learned that sometimes you can preach something unless the heart is prepared for the seed, that it can be somewhat in vain. My, my heart today, my, my hope is today is that your heart would be prepared for the seed of this message. Reaching the lost really begins with intimacy with the Father because God so loved the world. Okay, we know that, but it's got to be beyond a Billy Graham scripture. It's got to be beyond NFL scripture behind the, the, the touchdown goal, 316. It's got to be something that is done deep in our heart by the power of the Holy Spirit, that we love what God loves, and, and we live the way that God lives, and, and we do what God does. And, and I've sang this song before, and I'll sing it again, because I think it really hits home uh, uh, by a cool country singer. I don't think... I don't agree with everything he does, but I like this song. You're always on my mind. 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 And I like Willie. I like his hair. <laughs> I don't like that he smokes dope. And he probably wrote that song about a woman, but I like to translate it as we go, that's the heart of the Father when it comes to the lost. The heart of the Father is that he is always thinking about the lost. If you don't believe that, there is no way I would send my son to die for the lost. And yet he did that. While I was still a sinner, yet Christ died for me. How is that so? Because... You're always on my mind. The lost is always on the mind of the Father. We each 
have individual purposes and callings from the Father. Every one of us, and they all look a little different. But we also have a community corporate calling that we're all called to. There's not a person here that you're a believer on the Lord Jesus Christ that you're not called to reach people who are lost. You, you got to get that. If you're like, J.O., no, 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 bro, I'm an apostle, I'm a, I'm a prophet, and, and you know, I'm a... If you don't believe that you're called that, there's a word for you, and it's called deception. Because the very, I'm just, I'm being honest. Because the very first thing that comes out of the mouth of Jesus when he approached someone to follow him is this. It's a famous quote, code read, then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you. See, you know it. I'll make you fishers of men. See, see, I believe if a person is following, then somehow they're going to be fishing, right? And your fishing may look different. People fish with nets and they fish fly. They fish with worms. They f- but you, we should be fishing when we're following. Fishing for who? Men. Well, who are the men there? I can tell you they're the lost. See, when you're following someone, When you're really following someone, intimacy happens. Whoever you're following, intimacy is going to happen. When you follow someone, fishermen are made. Because I'm going to tell you right now, they're made. They're not just birth. Fishermen are made. When you follow someone, you become like them. He makes you. He imparts to you. You sound like them. You, You may even, when you follow Jesus, you may even be accused of being a Christian. And you don't even have to tell nobody. It's like, man, they literally act like Christ. One of the most primary purposes, not the only purpose, but one of the primary purposes of the Holy Spirit of why Jesus didn't leave us alone as orphans, that he poured out his spirit upon us in Acts 2 back up to Acts 1, and you're going to see one of the purposes of the Holy Spirit living in us and working through us. It says this, but you shall receive power. Say that with me, power. Power. But why would he want to give you power so that you can be like Superman or Wonder Woman? Or Why would he want to give you power? What's the purpose of the power? He wants to work through you to heal and deliver? All those different things. But I can tell you he identifies why he wants to give you the power. He goes on to say, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And he says, you shall be witnesses to me. That word is martyr. That's a pretty heavy word. But he wants you to be witnesses for him. And he covers, he covers the entire gamut. He wants you to be witnesses for him in Jerusalem. That's right in your hometown. If it's Coeur d'Alene or Worley or wherever you live. He wants you to be witnesses in Jerusalem in all of Judea, in Samaria. He covers it all to the ends of the earth. So he covers your school. He covers where you work. He covers your friends. He covers another nation. He covers wherever it is. He wants you to be witnesses for him. People ran into me, and I remember them talking to me about Jesus and the impact it had. Though I didn't always like it, and at times I wanted to hit somebody. It really convicted me. 
I remember this dude dragging across through Moorhead State University. It was like, dude, I just want to hit you. Why would I want to hit someone for preaching good news and so forth? Because, man, I wasn't following Christ. I remember a Gideon trying to hand me a Bible. It's like something was wrong with me on the inside to be so angry. People witnessed to me. And then finally, December the 7th, 1986, Jesus found me. He found, he found somebody. How many of you glad that he found you? Why did he find you? Why did he find you? Why would you say he found me? Because you were lost. Lost in your sin, lost in yourself, lost in the, you were absolutely lost. If Jesus finds us, if Jesus saves us, if Jesus delivers us, if we're born again because of Jesus, why do we do anything? Why do you need it? Why are you part of this? Because listen to me real good. You need to feel this. Jesus works with us and through us. If you don't think he does that, I got news for you, you're wrong. God wants to work in you and through you to be the light of the world, to be a voice to those. God works with us. Let me, let, me, let me read a scripture to you to show you. This wouldn't be the only one, but here's a good one. 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 10. I think it's going to be on the screen. You can follow with me. Uh, uh, go with me in your Bible, phone, wherever it is. 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 10, it says this. Who then is Paul? Who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one? Question mark. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. God gave the increase. One planted, one watered, but God gave the increase. Gavin might plant. Sally might water, but God gives the increase. Why does God give the increase? Because Lewis planted and Seth watered and Gloria planted and somebody watered and Jill planted and Sam watered, but God brings the increase. You see, God works with us and through us. So then neither he who plants is anything nor he who waters but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. I believe there's rewards in heaven. I don't want to get to, he to heaven just by the hair of my chinny chin chin. You know what I'd love to hear when I get to heaven? Well done, good and faithful servant. Or so I would love to hear that. So, 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 it's more than inspiration. It's okay to sweat a little bit, y'all. A little perspiration. Why do you have perspiration? Because you're going to do some work. Why? Because to get to heaven, to work your way into heaven? No, 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 no. Because of what he's already done for you. Because you're crazy, insanely in love with him. That you do get inspired, but what makes a difference is when you perspire. Are you following me? For we are God's fellow workers. You hear that? You're a fellow worker, yo. You're a God's field. You're a God's building. According 
to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder. Every one of us is called to be a master builder in the kingdom of God. I've laid the foundation, another builds on it, but each let each one take heed how he builds on it. So listen real close. It's not the gospel of Paul. It's not the gospel of Apollos. It's not the prosperity gospel. It's not the gospel of grace. It's not the gospel of love. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me say that one more time. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is. We've given it all kinds of names. Does God bless us? Yeah, he bless us. My life has changed drastically since I've been born again. But I didn't get born again to prosper. I got born again because I was so stinking lost. I didn't even know what grace really was other than you say it at the kitchen table. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ that changes lives. And we are fellow workers. Say this with me. I am a fellow worker. How many of you, you know, you're, you like the company you work for? It's like, man, you have a nice pride in it. Not a weird pride, but you're like, yeah, man, I like the company I work for. I mean, that's okay, right? Well, we're fellow workers. We should have a beautiful pride in working for the kingdom of God. You are God's field. God desires each one of us to be a wise master builder. We're all builders. Building people building the kingdom of God. How are you building and are you building? Saints, God works through us. In and through us. If I don't convince you of anything else today, for those who think, oh, they gonna do it over there, I'm sure they gonna, he's in a van, he gonna do it. Oh, God will do it. He works through us. He plants through us. He waters through us. He fishes through us. We preach the gospel. We make disciples. We build people. Let me, let me read two scriptures that are very, very, very common. You, you promised me to put on your receptor ears today, and you don't shut down as soon as I, 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 I read a common scripture. And so here's the first one, Mark 16. 15 through 18. This is the Great Commission according to Mark. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Bam. But he who does not believe will be condemned and these signs will follow those who believe. In my names they will cast out demons they will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. They will drink anything deadly. but will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. That's the gospel of Mark. You'll see also, not the God, it's in the gospel of Mark. It's the great commission in Mark. Now the great commission in Matthew. Matthew 8, 28, 19 through 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Yeah. I want you to first see that in both of these great commissions, 
that there is a sending and there's a going. Everyone say send. send. Everyone say go. go. There's a going. There's a sending. It's not God that's going. It's me and you that's going. It's not God that he's ascending, but he's not being sent. You're the one being sent. Bobby said something beautiful at man camp. He says, you got to connect with a big why. You got, this is the biggest why on the face of the earth that you need to connect with. If you don't connect with this big why, you're never going to do it. And here's the big why. People need Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And we're part of this thing called the Great Commission. Listen to me real good. God doesn't say that he will make disciples. He does not say that. God does not say that he will baptize them. God does not say that he will preach the gospel. God doesn't even say signs and wonders will follow him. You know what he says? He says, you and me are called to make disciples. You and me are to preach the gospel. You and I are to baptize. You and I are to preach. And guess what happens when we do that? Signs and wonders will follow you and I. We have the honor and the privilege to be God fellows, workers, co-laborers, vessels of honor for every good work in reaching the lost. Listen to this definition of lost. This is just straight out of the, out of the dictionary, lost. Unable to find one's way, not knowing one's whereabouts. Help, we're lost. Stray, astray, off course, off track, off the right track, disorientated, disoriented, having lost one's bearing, adrift, going around in circles at a sea, unable to be found. He turned up with lost golf clubs, missing, strayed, gone astray, astray, misled, misplaced, vanished, disappeared, forgotten, nowhere to be found, ascent, not present. I like definition out of lostology, something or someone that has value, but not where they should be. Sometimes in lostology, I'll say, give me a definition of loss, and I'll get a religious answer. They'll immediately give me a religious answer. Oh, loss is someone that doesn't know Jesus, someone that doesn't go to church. Someone... I'm like, no, bro, what is lost? When you lost your visa, you... what is... talk to me about loss. See, when God was talking about loss, he was talking about lost. And of course, we related to people that doesn't know Jesus Christ. But there's not a person on the face of the earth, no matter what they went through, no matter what they're dealing with emotionally, mentally, physically, no matter what may be their weakness, they have value. You can never say something's lost that doesn't have value, but people, all ages, no matter what they're back, they have value. And so they, if they don't know Jesus Christ, if they don't know Christ, they're not where they should be. Therefore, they're called this word called lost. And the problem is, I think in America and throughout the world, we have a very sucky value system. We do. I don't know. Maybe there's other beautiful words I should use. But I think you get it. What do you mean by that? Well, if I go buy a pair of sunglasses 
down at the $1 store. And I put them on, and they're kind of cloudy. They're kind of cockeyed. They don't even really, I'm like, they feel like they got a prescription in them because they're jacking up my eyes. And they cost me a buck. If I lose them, how long do you think I'm going to search for them? You think I'm going to really search for them things? I'll be thinking, thank you, Jesus, for letting me lose them. But the other day I was in the car and I didn't have my sunglasses with me. And Radine let me borrow a pair of sunglasses she's had for many, many, many years. And I put them on. I was like, whoo. They actually helped me see. I was like, she's had them for years. They cost a lot. And she's so good with her stuff. I I lose stuff quite often. Hers has been there for years. And and I'm like, I don't even want to take them out of her car because if I was to lose them, I wouldn't tell her. I would find them or try to replace them. Eventually, if I couldn't do that, I'd have to re- I would have to tell her. But if I lost her glasses, you know what I would do? I would search like crazy for them. Why? Because they have great value. I think if I value a pair of glasses, I should value people. If, I think if I value my visa, I should value people. If I value my car keys, I should value people. I tell you what, if my, my kids got lost when I was, when they were little, I would be stinking, ripping them all apart looking for them. Because there's something that ignites inside of us when something is lost. Usually it's fear and anger. And that's not always bad because it will motivate you to find. Well, I'm bringing this, trying to land this plane here. In Luke 9, Jesus sends out the 12, and this is what he tells them. I want you to understand that you don't have to pray to share the gospel with people. We're each called to do that. Now, God wants to give you divine appointments. He wants to lead you by the Holy Spirit, but I want to show you. It starts with 12, and it says this. Then he called his 12... Uh, Disciples together gave them power over authority over all demons to cure the sick, uh, to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He did that with the 12. Everyone say the 12. Well, J.O., that was the 12 disciples, man. I mean, I wasn't one of the disciples. Okay, well, let's look at one more chapter over. Chapter 10 of Luke. Jesus sends 72. Say this with me. Others. others. Not the 12, not him, but 72 others. I want to tell you right now, you're an other. You're an other. All right? Let me read this and let me, let me just go through the scripture and then we're going to be done. Look what it says. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out on ahead of him, two by two to every town where he himself was going to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. And that's, that's a fact today. It really is. Look what he says to do. He said to them, the harvest is plentiful, the labors are few, therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into the harvest. Pray earnestly. Listen, real, real good. We're to pray earnestly to send labors 
to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers out into the harvest field. What if I pray like this? Can I, can I mess with you for a minute, Eli? Father, I pray that you send Eli out to the harvest field, Father God, in powerful name of Jesus, that you would use him so evangelistically, Lord. I'm going to set it home, Lord, but I pray that you would use Eli, Father, and you would pour out your spirit upon him. You send him to China and Africa, to Asia and throughout the nations, Father, to Honduras and wherever. God, I pray that you pour out your spirit. God, let Eli be a laborer in the harvest field. What's, what's going to happen to you? That's a trick question. Jesus set you up to pray that prayer. Because if you sincerely pray that prayer, it's going to get in your own heart. And you can't just pray for others to go. I think it will impact you to go. Are you following me? It goes on to say, go your way. Behold, I'm sending you as lambs in the midst of woods. Jail is dangerous out there. Absolutely. Jesus already told you that. It's risky. He says, carry no money bag, nor knapsack, nor sandals, and greet no one on the road. What does that mean, J.O.? I think it has to do with distractions. There's always distractions. Don't allow everything to distract us from the gospel. And he goes on to say, whatever house you enter, first say, peace be on the house. And if the son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon you. But if not, it will return to you and remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they will provide for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house, wherever you enter a town and receive you. Eat what is set before you. Heal the sick and say to them, the kingdom of God is come near to you. Why did you read all that, J.O.? Because he didn't start at the top with preaching the gospel. He gave us specific instructions. Eat with them. Drink with them. Stay in the same house. What does that mean, J.O.? I think it has to do with relationships. Building relationships. Heal them. And then he says, preach the kingdom of God to them. That was the last thing for them to do. We're to do it. But sometimes God wants to work in and through us to build relationships. I want you to picture from now on Heart of the City Church as a humongous ship that does two things. It's a fishing boat and it's a rescue boat. Well, the church is supposed to be way more than that, dude. So equip the saints for the work in the... Yep, yep, yep. But you know what? I think that we should all, always remember where we came from. It all starts with people coming to know Jesus Christ. That's where it all begins. Oh, we're going to do all the other things? Absolutely. But don't never forget not to do the work of the evangelist. We're to be a fishing boat. We're to rescue those. We're to make fishers of men. We're to make disciples. The church is being built. Uh, Psalms 127.1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. So you see, God builds the house, but we labor with him. Amen.